0: Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll
1: dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. And live from this same room, it's Ellen and Katie. Just kidding, we're still quarantined. But on the plus side, I made Katie
0: download Audacity so her audio would sound better, and now Katie has
1: learned how to record. Even though we're 60 miles apart, she's still bossing me around after all this time. Always. Aww. Last
0: week, we discussed Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs, and its corresponding film scenes. Even though we wouldn't mind training earlier, harder, and longer with Wood, the Gryffindor Quidditch team sleeps through his speeches. The Slytherin Quidditch team shows us that matching brooms are the ultimate in dickhead couture. Hermione's eyebrows are almost as distracting as her know-it-all line-stealing, but still pales in comparison to Ron's slug-puking. And detention with Forrest Lockhart finally ends when Harry starts hearing a murderous voice, that I should never be allowed to imitate. Spooky.
1: During episode 25, Ruddy, regurgitating Ron, our Potter pondering was, when Harry hears and understands the basilisk, do people not hear it hissing, or do they think that it's just a normal noise for an old castle? Carly doesn't think people
0: can even hear it, saying that you can't really hear a snake hiss from very far away, but you can hear someone talking to you.
1: Jackson agrees, saying that to a parcel mouth, the voice of a snake would be as clear as day, but to others it would depend on distance, whether they can hear the hiss.
0: Several people pointed out that since the sound was coming from the pipes within the walls, it wasn't necessarily something they even paid attention to. Missy figured that since Harry first heard it in the halls, others could have assumed it was just steam going through the pipes. Jenny said that she thinks the sound could have been confused for water running through the pipes. Kelly shared that old pipes make weird noises and that it would also be the least
1: weird thing at Hogwarts, so probably no one would notice. That's logical. Ricky said that it's an old ass magical building with moving staircases and talking pictures. There's millions of mysteries in Hogwarts. If any students heard anything, they probably shrugged it off as some old crazy magic in the castle. Diana is on that same
0: page, saying that teenagers are kind of oblivious and it would be pretty difficult to hear something as subtle as a hiss, as opposed to the kind of racket that Peeves was constantly making.
1: Dave is under the impression that no one else could hear it, like how only dogs can hear certain frequencies. He wasn't the only one.
0: Chelsea said that based on Ron and Hermione's reactions, others don't hear it. She imagines it's really faint being inside the pipes, which would be inside thick stone walls. She also thinks that the words Harry heard were faint too, but he could hear them because they're intelligible words.
1: And Kaylee said that that's why she thinks Slytherin built it so the basilisk could use the pipes. The amount of rushing water through the pipes and the rest of the wall would cover up the slithering sounds. Students would just hear whooshing and other swishing like water in the sink.
0: Kaylee also had another good point in response to Sarah's comment. Sarah thought that Harry was reading the basilisk's mind, like it was more of a telepathic communication rather than from the snake's mouth. Hmm. Kaylee finds this to be an interesting theory and points out other places in the story that the speaking takes place where others don't hear it. She says that there's a passage where young Tom Riddle says that the snakes find him and whisper things, and that in the Riddle house, Frank doesn't hear anything but Nagini moving, yet Voldemort says Nagini informs me.
1: That is a really interesting theory, actually. In general, this was some really great feedback.
0: For sure. Thanks for sharing, everyone. hmm Our trivia question last week was, How many times was Nearly Headless Nick hit in the neck with a blunt axe? After Nick receives the letter from Sir Properly Decapitated Podmore denying him entrance to the Headless Hunt, he complains to Harry saying, But you would think, wouldn't you, that getting hit 45 times in the neck with a blunt axe would qualify you to join the Headless Hunt.
1: And Harry agrees because he was obviously supposed to. Obviously.
0: (laughs) Congratulations goes to Carly Ferguson, who after two weeks of being on the heels of the winner,
1: finally beats
0: everyone else to the punch.
1: She also expressed that she thinks it should have been a more magical number, which I tend to agree with, actually.
0: Yeah, Quincy said that
1: 45 is just so excessive that he loves it. Carly responded wondering if that was the point. That it wasn't supposed to be magical because it was a truly muggle way to kill someone. And then Quincy agreed and called it kind of (laughs) gross.
0: Right? My husband and I finally started watching Game of Thrones, and in the very first episode, when Ned Stark decapitates the guy with one swift swing of his very sharp sword, Len turns to me and says, I bet Nearly Headless Nick wishes Ned Stark had decapitated him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bet he does. Then he'd have been allowed to join the Headless Hunt. Yep. But let's just keep rolling into Chapter 8, The Death Day Party, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 8, The Death Day Party.
0: October arrives along with a sudden series of colds that keeps Madame Pomfrey busy giving out Pepper-Up Potion, which works instantly but causes the drinker to smoke at the ears for hours. It also rains for days on end, though that does nothing to dampen Oliver Woods' training sessions. One rainy Saturday afternoon, after a particularly miserable Quidditch practice, a wet and muddy Harry walks through the corridor and runs into nearly headless Nick, looking very preoccupied. Harry says hello and each acknowledges that the other looks troubled. Nick tells Harry that despite getting hit in the neck, 45 times with a blunt axe, he was not welcomed into the headless hunt. He reads from a letter from Sir Patrick Delaney Podmore that says his head must be completely separated from his body, and then goes on to rant that it's only half an inch of skin and sinew holding his neck on. He takes some deep breaths and asks Harry what is bothering him. As Harry is telling Nick about the Slytherin's brooms, Mrs. Norris shows up. Nick tells Harry he better leave because Filch isn't in a good mood. He has the flu, still had to spend the morning cleaning, and will not be happy to see Harry dripping mud everywhere. Before Harry can leave, Filch bursts through a tapestry and begins yelling at him for the mess. He takes Harry to his office and looks for the paperwork to write him up. As he's filling out the form, there's a loud bang on the ceiling of the office. Filch yells out, "Peeves!" and runs out of his office without looking back at Harry. Grateful for his timing and hoping Peeves had done enough damage to distract Filch from Harry, he still decides he better wait for Filch to come back. He sits down and notices a purple envelope with silver writing sitting on the desk. He picks it up and reads that it is a quick spell course, promising to easily teach magic, complete with user endorsements. Harry reads through the rest of the documents and is nearly caught by Filch returning. He shoves the parchment back into the envelope and tosses it on the desk right as Filch enters, looking triumphant and talking about how valuable the vanishing cabinet was. Sure they'd have peeves out this time. He sees Harry, then notices the quick spell envelope in the wrong spot and turns red. He asks if Harry read it and says that it's for a friend. Harry lies and says that he didn't, and Filch tells him to leave and not to breathe a word of it to anyone. Harry leaves, feeling extremely lucky, and runs into nearly headless Nick again. Nick tells him that he persuaded Peeves to crash the vanishing cabinet right over Filch's office to distract him. Harry is very grateful and says that he wishes there was something he could do to help Nick with the headless hunt. Nick asks if he and Ron and Hermione will attend his 500th death day party on Halloween, and tells Sir Patrick how frightening and impressive he finds him, and Harry agrees. Hermione thinks the death day party will be fascinating, and Ron thinks it sounds depressing, but they all agree to go. When Halloween arrives, Harry is regretting his promise to Nick, wishing they didn't have to miss the Halloween feast. Hermione reminds him that a promise is a promise, and at 7 o'clock, the three head to nearly headless Nick's party. He welcomes them mournfully, and they enter the dungeon, which is filled with hundreds of pearly white ghosts. They look around for a while, and then Hermione tells them to turn around so she can avoid Moaning Myrtle, a ghost who haunts the girls' bathroom. Ron notices a food table at the other end of the dungeon, and they head that way instead. The food is rotted, burned, moldy, and completely unfit for live people to eat. They start to walk away from the table, but run into Peeves, who tells them he heard them talking rudely about Moaning Myrtle, and calls her over so he can make fun of her to her face she flies off crying as peeves pelts her with moldy peanuts and nick approaches and asks if they are enjoying themselves they lie and say they are and nick says that it is nearly time to make his speech before he can though the headless hunt arrives on ghost horses one of them rides right up to nick and asks if his head is still hanging in there nick says welcome patrick and patrick notices harry ron and hermione does an exaggerated jump of astonishment that causes his head to fall off. Nick is not amused, and Patrick says that he's still upset they won't let him join the hunt. Harry tries to say that he finds him very frightening, but Patrick cuts him off and says he bets he asked him to say that. Nick attempts to start his speech, but the headless hunt starts a game of head hockey, and no one pays any attention. The trio decide to leave and catch the end of the Halloween feast, but on their way there, Harry hears the same cold voice saying, Rip! tear kill he tells ron and hermione to listen and hears it again growing fainter as if it's moving upwards harry begins running leading them into the entrance hall and up the stairs he hears it again i smell blood i smell blood though ron says he can't hear anything they turn the corner and see foot-high words on the wall the chamber of secrets has been opened enemies of the air beware Ron notices something beneath the words and they edge closer. Harry almost slips in a large puddle of water on the floor, but they get close enough to realize that the shadow under the message is Mrs. Norris, hanging by the tail from the torch bracket. She is stiff as a board with her eyes wide open. Ron says they should get out of there, but before they can, all of the students come upstairs from the feast and start to spot Mrs. Norris. The corridor grows silent, except for Draco Malfoy, who shouts, Enemies of the air, beware. You'll be next, Mudbloods.
1: In the movie, Harry leaves detention with Lockhart after hearing the creepy whisper voice. He is walking through the corridor, when he hears it again, saying, I smell blood. Let me rip you. Let me kill you. Harry walks over to the wall and places his hand and ear against it, following the voice down the wall as it continues to say, Kill! 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 Harry hurries after the voice and runs right into Ron and Hermione. He asks them if they heard it, and Ron asks, hear what? And Harry says, the voice. And Hermione wants to know what voice? Harry explains that he heard it first in Lockhart's office, and again just now. He again hears the voice and says that it is moving, and he thinks it's going to kill. He runs after it with Ron and Hermione on his heels, and they pause when they see a bunch of spiders crawling in a line out a window. Harry points out how strange it is to see spiders act like that, and Ron declares that he doesn't like spiders. They notice a puddle of water on the ground and see words reflected in the puddle. The camera pans up to show us the actual words written on the wall, and Hermione reads them out. The chamber of secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. She points out that it is written in blood. They then notice Filch's cat hanging by her tail from a torch bracket, and as Harry approaches her, students and teachers arrive from both directions of the corridor. Everyone looks pretty shocked, and Malfoy exclaimed, Enemies of the air beware! You'll be next, mudbloods! As he looks right at Hermione. Did
0: you make it through that paragraph of yours?
1: I mean, I, I think I need some water after that. I'm feeling <laughs> a little parched. Yeah. That was a lot. It's it that, that lot creepy whisper
0: do. you did. Really dries the throat.
1: (laughs) You love my creepy whisper.
0: Better than mine. (laughs) So the most obvious difference from book to movie is the fact that the movie didn't even bother making reference to, let alone showing, the death day party.
1: Yeah, despite that being the chapter title, the movie section actually starts right after Harry's detention with Lockhart and just streamlined everything else right out of the story. Right out of it. Mm-hmm. The book
0: starts out mentioning how the weather is getting colder and basically non-stop raining. A lot of people are sick and Madame Pomfrey is giving out her pepper-up potion to instantly cure them.
1: I know we could use a pepper-up potion for this freaking COVID-19, man.
0: Seriously, smoking at the ears for several hours is an extremely minor side effect
1: compared to everything else that's been going on. Right. And speaking of smoking at the ears, I love that in the book. Ginny was looking peaky, so Percy bullied her into taking the Pepper Up potion, and because of her red hair, it made her head look like it was on fire. That would have just been really fun to see.
0: <laughs> Agreed. The streamlining also left out the horrible Quidditch practice that the Gryffindors had. Partly horrible because the rain did nothing to dampen Oliver Wood's enthusiasm for regular training sessions.
1: More like Oliver Wood's training obsessions. <laughs> Seriously. We also
0: didn't get to hear from Fred and George, who had been spying on the Slytherin team, just how fast those Nimbus 2001s were. Like greenish blurs. Exactly. But the active part of the chapter ultimately kicks in with a wet and muddy Harry coming out of that horrible Quidditch practice and running into nearly Headless Nick in the corridor. The two acknowledge that they each look troubled, And this is where we learn that Nearly Headless Nick has been denied joining the headless hunt because his head has not fully parted company with his body.
1: And, as we learned in our trivia question, apparently getting hit in the neck 45 times with a blunt axe just doesn't cut it. (laughs) Cut it. It's that damn half an inch of skin and sinew that disqualifies him. Poor Nick. I do love that he refers to Sir Patrick Delaney Podmore as Sir Properly Decapitated Podmore. Yeah, that always makes <laughs> me
0: chuckle, too. But Nick finishes ranting and asks Harry what's troubling him and if there's anything that he can do. Harry is saying not unless he knows where they can get seven free Nimbus 2001s, but is interrupted when Mrs. Norris shows up.
1: This difference isn't specific to this part of the book or movie, just a general difference, but they specifically describe Mrs. Norris as a skeletal gray cat with lamp-like eyes. And she basically looks nothing like the red-eyed cat we saw earlier in the film. Yeah, it's like
0: they read the description of Voldemort and thought, eh, he doesn't actually need red eyes. (laughs) But we should give them to someone. Hey, this cat's described to have yellow eyes. How about her?
1: <laughs> right? And like it's hard to find a gray yellow eyed cat.
0: I literally own one. Actually, Stella has such a phenomenal resting bitch face, I think she would have made a fantastic Mrs. Norris. She really could have. I posted a picture up on our Instagram and Facebook so you guys can see her amazing RBF. <laughs>
1: And then of course, wherever Mrs. Norris is, Filch is not far behind.
0: Exactly. Nick tells Harry to get out of there before Filch shows up, but before he can, Filch bursts through a tapestry, just in time to yell at Harry for dripping mud everywhere. Filch is already unpleasant to deal with, and his mood has not been
1: improved by having the flu. Especially since, even with the flu, he spent the entire morning scrubbing frog brains off the ceiling in Dungeon 5. I'm just saying, even without the flu, that would put me in a bad mood, too. There's that. So,
0: a very pissed-off Filch escorts Harry to his office, but before he can write him
1: up, they hear an extremely loud crash on the ceiling. And this definitely couldn't have happened in the movie, since Filch immediately yells, Peeves! And any movie-only watchers would be like, Who the fuck is Peeves?
0: Ugh, they should not have cut Peeves from the movies! Still
1: not over it. Me neither.
0: I don't think we ever will be. Probably not. No, No. their biggest mistake. Mm -hmm. Maybe not their biggest, but it's up there. It's a pretty big mistake. It's a big mistake. But anyways, Filch (laughs) runs out of his office, and though Harry hopes this will be enough of a distraction for him, he also decides to stay and wait for him to return.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I would have stayed. That was just dumb.
0: (laughs) I'm not really sure what I would have done. I think this would make a really good Potter pondering. Works for me. But yeah, Harry is hanging out in Filch's office, and
1: this is when he finds the quick spell course. Which we talked about a bit in an earlier episode because it was in a deleted scene.
0: Right, and like I said then, the only real similarity between the way the deleted scene and the book scene introduced the quick spell course is that Harry is getting in trouble during both of them. Other than that, they are pretty different.
1: Yeah, the deleted scene barely showed it. It was basically just Harry picking it up and handing it to Filch. Like, it gave us a glimpse of it, but not really any other information.
0: Yeah, the book actually lets us read about what it was, and had a couple of pretty entertaining endorsements. "'I had no memory for incantations, and my potions were a family joke. "'Now, after a quick spell course, I'm the center of attention at parties, "'and
1: friends beg for the recipe of my scintillation solution.'" And, my wife used to sneer at my feeble charms, but one month into your fabulous quickspell course, I succeeded in turning her into a yak! Thank you, quickspell! It
0: cracks me up. (laughs) (laughs) But, this is the moment that Harry realizes that Filch may not be a proper wizard, and the deleted movie scene didn't really give us that.
1: Yeah, not so much.
0: And Harry is so caught up in reading the course that he barely gets it put back on the desk before Filch returns, and even then it's in the completely wrong place. And Filch notices that and starts to splutter.
1: I love that he says it's not his. It's it's for a friend. It's, it's so classic. Right? It's not <laughs>
0: mine. It's for a friend.
1: So Filch... <laughs> asking
0: for a friend. So Filch is so flustered that he just lets Harry go. And Harry runs back into Nearly a Headless Nick, where he learns that Nick persuaded Peeves to crash the Vanishing Cabinet over Filch's office. And this is another subtle moment of foreshadowing from J.K. Rowling, because this is THE Vanishing Cabinet. And we'll be talking about it a lot more later.
1: Yeah, like like a lot later. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it gets mentioned again in the fifth book, but doesn't gain significance until the sixth book, so... However long it takes us to get to those stories.
1: See you in a couple years, guys.
0: Right? <laughs> but anyways, Harry thanks Nick and says he wishes there was something he could do to help him with his problem. And that turns into Harry agreeing that he, Ron, and Hermione will attend nearly headless Nick's 500th death day party.
1: And the reason for the title of this chapter... I love when Harry tells Ron and Hermione about it. Like, it seemed very on par with the characters that Hermione thought it would be fascinating and Ron thought it would be depressing. Not just depressing,
0: dead depressing. (laughs) Because book Ron can be quite funny too. Yep. This discussion was all happening in the Gryffindor common room, while Fred and George were feeding a filibuster firework to a salamander to see what would happen, and I know that it literally adds nothing to the actual plot, but
1: how amazing would it have been to see this? While I would never complain about getting to see more of Fred and George's antics, I gotta say, I kinda feel bad for the salamander. Like, it ended up emitting sparks and whizzing around the room, and I just, I hope it was okay. Okay. Poor little Sally. (laughs) I think
0: your Slytherin is showing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I may be more inclined to stick up for poor defenseless reptiles, despite being scared shitless of them. (laughs) I still think it would have been funny to see. Sounds like your Gryffindor is showing. But it would have been. Not
0: to mention that Percy then screams himself hoarse at the twins, and I don't think we get enough scenes of Percy being Percy.
1: Oh yeah, I think it would have been fun seeing him in one of those moments where he is basically imitating his mom. That would have been great.
0: (laughs) And I think Chris Rankin would have nailed that scene too. Mm -hmm. But anyways, by the time they actually are going to the death day party, Harry is regretting this promise to go because they have to miss the Halloween feast that everyone else is super excited about. But Hermione says a promise is a promise, and off they go.
1: So, as awesome as it would have been to see this scene in the movie, I bet it would have been a real pain in the ass to do. Like, since they would have had to include hundreds of transparent floating people and whatnot.
0: Yeah, logistically, it probably wouldn't have been the easiest or most cost-effective thing to film. Mm -mm. And it honestly doesn't have that many details that are specifically necessary to forward the plot. We get an introduction to Moaning Myrtle and learn that she haunts a toilet and cries a lot, which is all good foreshadowing, but it's less important for the sake of moving a film forward.
1: Yeah, it definitely would have been a fun opportunity to be completely grossed out by all the rotten food, not to mention watching Peeves be a dick, as usual, and seeing the headless Hunt play head hockey, but none of it was strictly necessary to the storyline. Honestly,
0: if they did film this scene, I'd be okay with them leaving out the rotten, moldy, maggoty food, because ew. Ew. (laughs) <laughs> but after Harry completely fails to convince Sir Patrick that Nick is indeed frightening and impressive the trio decide to leave and hope to catch the end of the Halloween feast but on the way there Harry starts hearing the creepy voice talking about killing again
1: wait 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 hold on are we finally talking about something that happens in the movie? <laughs> let, <laughs> me get, let me get my notes <laughs> 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 though as we already mentioned it does start in with Harry on his own, leaving detention with Lockhart. And he hears a voice and follows it, running into Ron and Hermione and asking them if they heard it, too. And and Ron asks, hear what? And Harry says, the voice! Voice what voice? Yeah, that was a terribly delivered line. Like, I love Emma, but that was just, voice what voice? That was, oh, she rushed through it and just, oh, it was so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have like secondhand embarrassment over how bad that, that line is Aww. delivered. I, love I you, mean, Emma. It,
0: it wasn't her best work. <laughs> but then Harry hears the voice again and runs after it with Hermione and Ron following him. And that's pretty similar to how it happened in the book. Because he hears the voice and runs after it and they follow him.
1: Yeah, the movie just had the extra step of Ron and Hermione finding him first when they were already together in the book. Plus, they added in the scene of Ron and Hermione and Harry finding the spiders walking all in the line out the window and Harry oh, commenting yeah. how it was creepy, like weird. And Ron saying that he doesn't it.
0: like spiders. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that actually happens later in the book, so we'll end up talking more about that then. But from here, it lines up better uh, for the last couple pages of the chapter. They turn the corner and see the words up on the wall, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, enemies of the air
1: beware. And Harry tries to move closer and slips a little in a puddle of water on the ground. Yeah, the only real difference here is that they round the corner, see the words reflecting in the puddle, and then the camera pans up to show us what it actually says, which I have to say makes a really good visual like it's a better visual really i agree with you
0: it was it was just definitely more interesting they're like oh look bam words like you got to see the reflection they had the pan it just gave a little bit more Mm -hmm. aesthetic value
1: yeah i agree
0: um but the words are the same as in the book the chamber of secrets has been opened enemies of the air beware
1: in the movie hermione says it's written in blood
0: the book does not specify at this point what it's written in But it does later on reference red paint, and we'll talk more about that then. But it's not written in blood in the book.
1: I want to know how Hermione can tell that it's just written in blood. Like, did she taste it? Like, who's to say it's not finger paint? Maybe she could smell it? It Smells like pennies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it also makes no sense for it to be written in blood, because where did all of that blood come from?
1: Right? In the movie, they then notice Mrs. Norris hanging by her tail from the torch bracket, and Harry moves closer to inspect her.
0: Which is pretty similar to the book. When Harry slips in the water, it's because he was moving closer to figure out what the shadowy thing hanging under the words was. When they realize it's Mrs. Norris, Ron says they should get the fuck out of there. I'm (sighs) paraphrasing. Sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> but before they can, all the students heading back to their common rooms after the feast show up and see what happened.
1: Basically the same in the movie, except Ron doesn't say, we should get out of here. The students and some teachers all just show up.
0: Then in both mouthway shouts, enemies of the air beware, you'll be next, mudbloods.
1: Though in the movie, little Nazi Von the II is full on staring Hermione down as he says this. Because he's a dick. Because... He is a dick. And the scene ends here. Honestly, considering the fact that
0: they cut out the majority of this chapter, the movie had a really good flow.
1: Unlike the last movie where Hermione randomly ends up in the library, suddenly knowing all about Nicholas fucking Flamel
0: right holy shitty segue batman (laughs) though the way this did work out it basically omitted ron's detention so the movie lost that fun bit of foreshadowing we had mentioned about the special award for
1: services to the school they do bring it up later but we'll talk about that then that we will because there are only two minutes to this section of the movie there really aren't any new characters to talk about Uh, We do briefly see Gemma Jones as Madame Pomfrey, but we'll just talk about her later when she actually, you know, does something.
0: Another reason I'm really bummed that we didn't get to see the Death Day Party in the movie is because it caused us to miss out on what could have been some amazing classic John Cleese comedy. We actually forgot to mention John Cleese when we saw Nearly Headless Nick earlier in this film, so... I wanted to make sure we gave him some love now.
1: He's so fucking brilliant.
0: It kind of amazes me that they got such a big name to play what ended up being such a small role.
1: There are no small roles, only small actors. And one-line wonders. Which is basically John Cleese in this movie. Maybe it's part of his British Actors Union contract, like he has to be in every British franchise film.
0: <laughs> there was a really fun interview where the interviewer asked John Cleese about being nearly headless, Nick, and John Cleese responded by saying, "You're quite right, I was nearly headless, Nick for over thirty seconds in the first and for less than fifteen seconds in the second, so I was briefly nearly headless, Nick. I was nearly nearly headless, Nick, you may say,
1: <laughs> nearly nearly headless. How <laughs> you nearly nearly, nearly <laughs> headless."
0: <laughs> But that will bring us to this week's Potter Pondering, which is, Harry decided to wait in Filch's office until he returned from dealing with peeves. Would you have waited or would you have bolted the moment Filch was gone?
1: I'm getting the fuck out of there. I'm just saying.
0: So you say. I don't know. Like, if I were me, yeah, I'd probably leave. But if I were Harry like filch is not gonna forget well yeah he can find him in a crowd mm. harry might have a harder time
1: getting away with that but yeah, if i was the girl who lived sure i'd probably stick around <laughs> but if
0: but still like some people might have consciences that wouldn't allow them to leave yeah, well, those... and like worry about or par- not necessarily consciences it could just be paranoia yeah but those so people really are interested.
1: hufflepuffs and they're not going to get in trouble anyway so
0: well we'll find out what carly has to say about this
1: so (laughs) carly would so stay don't even lie
0: Carly. (laughs) Uh, we shall see won't we
1: (laughs) well that'll bring us to this week's sorting hat story which is from missy mordarski she is in gryffindor her patronus is a swift the hell is a swift by the way and her wand is vine wood with a unicorn hair core 10 and three quarters length rigid flexibility My love of Harry Potter began in August of 2003. Between my last day of work and my first day of grad school, I had three wide-open weeks to move and get settled in my new apartment before classes began. A friend had loaned me her copy of The Sorcerer's Stone, and I was initially reluctant to read it. But she had never recommended a book I didn't like, and since I had nothing else to do, I dove in. I finished it in a day and a half and felt an absolute need to consume more of the story. I ran out and bought the Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, and the Goblet of Fire. I had moved to a very rural area and in a span of a couple days there was a tornado and my entire apartment complex was surrounded by flood waters. And if you were around to remember anything about August of 2003, that was when the Great Northeast Blackout took place. With crazy weather and then many days with no electricity, I happily got through all of these books before my classes began. What a dream. No work, no responsibilities, no studying, just reading book after book of this phenomenal series. I finished The Order of the Phoenix by winter break, and then eagerly awaited each new book's release. I remember sobbing at the end of The Half-Blood Prince when I was living in Maryland. I went to a bookstore at midnight for the release of The Deathly Hallows and read through the night. The Cleveland Orchestra was playing the Lord of the Rings Symphony at Blossom that very next evening, and I was far from the only person, <clears throat> Nerd sitting on the lawn with a flashlight, reading the final book during the performance. I love how reflecting on the first time I read these books brings to mind very specific times in my life and how each time I re-experience the story either through film or audiobook or rereading to my girls. How it creates new memories and of enjoyment and comfort. I love sharing these stories with my daughters and how our love of the series connects us to each other and to others. We've done themed birthday parties, Halloween costumes, movie marathons, trips to Universal Studios, puzzles, board games, Lego sets, knitted scarves, made recipes, and now we look forward to the release of each illustrated book as they come out.
0: From a couple of nerds to another, thank you so much for sharing your story,
1: Missy. Yes, thank you. I am loving hearing stories about people sharing Harry Potter with their kids, specifically their daughters. Like, I can't wait until Ginny's old enough to appreciate them with me.
0: For sure. I do want to comment on just how much of a nerd Missy is. So when I was in college, I was in a sculpture class and we had to do a wood carving of a staff where we had to pick a word and design the staff around that word. And I picked the word encrypted and I designed this whole staff that it has a Caesar cipher at the top of it and then there are actual letters spiraling down the base of the staff and it says something. And you can use like you like if you cared to nobody ever had before but you can actually use the cipher at the top of the staff to break the code Mm -hmm. and missy is the only person who has ever put any effort towards breaking it and during this quarantine time she actually went back to it and with a couple of clues from me is the only person who has ever solved it oh wow (laughs) so i thought that was i was just like you are such a nerd but i love it that's an exceptional level of
1: nerd and i love i did that
0: it's amazing. <laughs> I also wanted to say that I looked up what a swift is, and it's a kind of bird. So okay. her Patronus is um, a very fast traveling bird. Huh.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. Thank you for that. If any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, the wood, core, and length how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Yes, these are so great. Please keep them coming.
0: And this will bring us to our trivia question, which this week is, what book does Hermione need to check out to get the recipe for Polyjuice Potion? The prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag restricted section We'll get a Bitch is a Witch, ma'fucker's a Wizard, a Just Keep Rolling, or a Pride
1: sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling.gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR
0: Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at JustKeepRolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question.
1: We also want to welcome Samantha Fraser as one of our new patrons. Thank you so much for helping us out. We're so happy to have you as part of the Just Keep Rolling family. Yes, thank you so much,
0: Samantha. I have
1: really been enjoying our discussions and your input. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com/justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk
0: about chapter 9, The Writing on the Wall and the corresponding film scenes.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep keep rolling. rolling.